don't, you know, more part play big. We got to play different game then. But as he does his ballpark play very big. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. But what are you going to do about it? You, know, you, just, yeah. you can do nothing, but you're going to move it in? That's up to them, but you know what I mean? Uh, pitches we gain. This, if you can imagine this ballpark was small, maybe we would be in first place. Maybe not. That's why I did the ballpark and put attention to it. You know, this is the way they are, and, is, and we got to deal with it. Good morning and welcome to episode 229 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you? Okay. I'm I'm looking at the Yankees' official website, and uh, they have a an all-star game thing on there that, that has little button-shaped icons for the players that they want you to vote for. Mm-hmm. So there's a vote Cano. And mm. there's a vote Ichiro. Mm. And there's a vote Cheater. Yeah, sure. <laughs> vote Cheater. Cheater has had an excellent season, so why would you not want to vote for him? <laughs> well He wouldn't I, he wouldn't even be able to play if he were voted in. Why vote for him? Um Do you think that there's is there some financial benefit to the team to having an all star selected who can't play? Well, from the team's perspective, and unless Jeter specifically goes and tells them, "Do not do this for me," um, I mean, it's just, it's what you do. To, it's what you do when you have Derek Jeter. I mean, you just there's a certain amount of um, there's a certain amount of like kind of shared delusion that comes with with uh, having Derek Jeter, and you can't acknowledge such things as him not playing at all. Uh, <laughs> like, like you know, I I. Uh, well, I don't really. It's like some dictator who dies and no one admits it, and they preserve him. It's kind of. I mean, the, the it is it is like that. That's a lot like what it is. It's, <laughs> it's kind of interesting though that they they put Jeter, but not but not A Rod. Uh, <laughs> I I can understand why they <laughs> at this time uh, would choose not to do that. But vote Brett Gardner. So, uh, you think, someone who played. I wonder what the precedent is for this. I wonder if there's a precedent for, uh, I mean, you know, Willie Mays played 24 in a row. I, I mean, I can see if it were his, his final season, if he had already announced his, I mean, cause yeah. the, the, the first precedent that comes to mind is Mike Schmidt getting voted in two months after he retired mm. and you know, he, he retired hitting like 180 or something like that in, in a month. And then he mm-hmm. quit in, at the end of April, I think, and he still made it. Um, but I wonder if there's a precedent for a guy. I'm sure there. I'm sure there are people who've been voted in who hadn't played a game yet. I'm sure there's. I bet you there's six. I well, bet you there are six players in history who've right been now voted he into is, the All-Star game without. He is fifth in the voting among oh, shortstops. Wow. So wow. he needs some help. Actually, well, if Jeter's only fifth in that crop yeah, uh, of shortstops, uh, Hard- now I can't. Hardy, Andrus, Peralta, yeah. Lowry. All right, I take it back. It's never happened. Because if it had ever happened, it would be happening for Jeter right now, especially <laughs> with the muscle of the Yankees' official website behind him. Yeah. Come on, people. Get out the vote. Derek Jeter needs to be an all-star. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it'd be... <laughs> it would be uh, such a thrill for him. Yeah, uh, right. His... To play under the bright lights. <laughs> yeah. The national stage. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... 
What are we talking he's about? He's still fifth, huh? He's fifth. By, he's a distant fifth, but he's fifth. Okay. Uh, I was going to talk about uh, Dayton Moore. Yeah, so was I kind of. Um, yeah, that was that was my primary topic. I was also, I guess since we're talking about the All-Star Game, uh, I'm sure this is a topic that neither of us cares about very much, but um, there are lots of articles being written and lots of Bruce Bochy quotes about whether Puig should be an all-star. I would assume... Vote Bernie Williams. They should put a <laughs> vote Bernie Williams button up there. Yes. I, I would assume that you are in favor of a Puig uh, being on the on the team because he's interesting and exciting and the game should be interesting and exciting. Uh, I, I'm, I haven't put much thought into Puig specifically because it's been... it's it's. Uh, I think it's actually been less time than it is between now and the All-Star game. So, uh, like, there's all as I think as we've seen, uh, crazy things can happen in, in two week stretches, and uh, so it, it would be crazy. But it's you know totally conceivable that tomorrow we could start a an over forty one stretch. Um, but uh, in general, in general, yes, I, I do believe that the that the hot rookie should uh, should have a prominent place. I I, I was in favor of if I, if I'm recalling this correctly, Dontrell Willis starting in like two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was the the hot new thing, and and pretty much in most cases, uh, I I'll choose the story over any sort of logic. I wonder if he has time to become a deserving candidate if he were to. Well, he's got one homer again. Uh, yeah, he, he was he one again point. tonight. So, if he were still hitting four sixty with with a eight hundred slugging percentage, uh, if he does that over the next couple of weeks, I wonder whether he would would catch up to... well he was he was 1.3 wins above replacement going into today and so mm-hmm. you figure with the home run maybe put him at 1.5 mm-hmm. double the playing time you get him to three there's going to be an yeah, awful lot of all-stars certain. with fewer than three three yeah, wins sure so yeah i mean he i i think he i think he could do it mm-hmm. it'd be tough i mean it'd be hard to it's, it'd be hard to I mean, if it comes down to the final vote and it's between Puig and Jeter, <laughs> I'll be torn. <laughs> right. Well, you give it to Jeter. Puig, it, there's a, you got to figure Puig. My guess is that Puig will be the final vote. That. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, that That'd it's a, cool. a would, speculation. I, I, I like feel that. like they. I, I think they like to get a guy like that in there to to raise interest in the final vote. Harper was the final vote last year, right? I think so. Yeah, that would be interesting. Okay, uh, so Dayton Moore. Yeah, why don't you say what Dayton Moore said? Okay, uh, so this this is probably going to sound a lot like the Royals topic that we talked about a few weeks ago when their then-hitting coach uh, sort of blamed blamed their lack of home runs on the ballpark and said that basically they, they can't hit home runs at Kauffman, so they don't try to, um, and that they don't hit home runs on the road even because they're so used to not trying to hit home runs from 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 being in Kansas City and that sort of thing. So uh, Dayton Moore has now sort of said the same thing, but with walks this time. Uh, so he said, we have the largest ballpark in terms of square footage of any ballpark in baseball. When pitchers come here, they have the mindset to use that park, put the ball in play, throw strikes, attack the zone. There isn't the same fear factor of getting beat deep that you might have elsewhere. I think that plays a huge factor in that walk statistic. Uh, and then there were some quotes from former Royals sitting coach Kevin Seitzer, who was the guy who was supposed to make the Royals more patient and didn't really. 
Um, and he said, pitchers mainly fear the long ball. If your lineup isn't hitting home runs, pitchers aren't pitching around you. They're going after you. There's no need not to. Um, it's interesting because the implicit statement in that is that um, if you're in this ballpark, then pitchers know that walks uh, are going to be particularly useful for you, right? Mm-hmm. As a hitter, right? They're they're not walking you because they know that a walk in a park like that, where you know it's hard to to do damage with the bat, is particularly stupid. Mm-hmm. So then, from the team's perspective, they should know that a walk is particularly useful. Yeah. Uh, if it's bad for the pitcher, it's good for the hitter, and so they sh- the Royals as a team should have, by this logic, which I'm not necessarily uh, accepting, but by this logic, the Royals as an organization should have extra incentive and extra emphasis to uh, to and on getting more walks, getting players who can walk, telling their players to walk, having a walk approach when they go up to the plate. And so what Dayton Moore is essentially saying is that they are just constantly getting beat, that the other team is just beating the smack out of them uh, in this war over the walk. The other team is winning constantly. Mm -hmm. Is that basically what he's saying? Uh, that's probably not how he would want it to be interpreted, but, um, but yeah, I guess that is, that's sort of the implication. Um, and I, I mean, I, I almost, I want to give it some credence cause I've long been confused by how the Royals could be so bad at walking for so long, uh, prior to Dayton Moore. I mean, prior to even Allard Baird, I think it's just been, it's been like decades since the Royals have been a team that walked a lot. Um, so I, I almost want there to be an explanation like it's the ballpark as opposed to just, I don't know, like this legacy of not walking has been passed down from front office to front office, or it just happened to, to happen this way. Um, it would almost make more sense if there were some institutional explanation like the ballpark that was consistent for, for the decades that the Royals have not walked, but Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I, and I do think, I mean, there's something to it. I think I, I was just talking to Colin and I asked him, uh, if we had park factors for walks, which we do. And he sent me them and the Royals have the fifth lowest. So, so Kaufman is the, the park that suppresses walks fifth most. And you would think that there would be, um, some court, I mean, my gut tells me without having looked my gut tells me that petco has suppressed walks um certainly that's the that is that's the feeling you get thinking about their pitchers their particular brand of awful reliever with the nine to one strikeout to walk ratio right that is exactly what i figured would be the case uh and that's the first thing i checked and that is apparently not true Hmm. um i mean just eyeballing the list it does look like there's some correlation between whether a, a park is a hitter's park or a home run park or not. Uh, like the bottom, the bottom five, in addition to Kansas City, has Anaheim, I think, is first, uh, first lowest or last. Um, and Dodger Stadium is in there. And then in the top five, you have the White Sox and the Cubs and the Rockies. Uh, and then the Blue Jays are six. So it, it does seem like there's some rhyme and reason to it. But uh, Petco is fifth highest, according hmm. to this. I, I don't know why that would be. Um, so I, I looked in it. It looks like 
uh, over the past couple years at least, the Royals have actually walked more often at home. And I guess part of that is just home field advantage. Um, and I don't know whether it's that their opponents have walked much less often there than they have, uh, or than they have at their own home parks. I don't know well, if that's why the, the park factor is so low. If I may interrupt. Sure. Uh, I looked uh, uh, at the other at the other agents in this little okay. drama, uh-huh. and over the past um, since 2007, which is uh, Moore's career with the Royals, mm-hmm. uh, the Royals pitchers have walked more batters at home than any American League team except the Orioles. Hmm. Uh, so they are walking a ton of people at home. Now they have lousy pitchers, but of course, our argument or not ours, I guess the people who Dayton Moore is arguing against are saying it's the hitters. It's the personnel. That's the point. Mm -hmm. And uh, Moore is saying, no, no, it's not the personnel. It's, it's the factor. And um, so in this case, um, I I suppose you can't have it both ways. Uh, The Royals pitchers walk more opponents than anybody in baseball or have over the last six years than uh, any team except the Orioles. And um, the Royals hitters have walked fewer times on the road than any team in baseball over the same stretch other than the Mariners. So uh, they are an extreme non-walking team away from home, mm-hmm. and they are an extreme uh, walking pitching staff at home. So mm-hmm. those would be two things that ordinarily you would probably hold up as evidence. Mm-hmm. Now, I would imagine that Dayton Moore, in good faith or not, I'm not sure whether it's in good faith, would have explanations for that. Um, and so that's kind of why I think I wouldn't really like to get in an argument with Dayton Moore, because I don't <laughs> think I would ever really know whether uh, he was arguing in good faith or not. Uh-huh. <laughs> At this point, it sort of feels like he's saying things that are just convenient, because they're sort of hard to take at face value, mm-hmm. but they're not things that particularly make his team look that well. And uh, like no. we said, with the, I think we mentioned this at, at one point, I don't remember if it was about the Royals or not, when we were talking about whether uh, it bothered us if a hitting coach said something like walks don't matter or something like that or home run. It might have been the Royals. We might have been talking about when the hitting mm-hmm. coach said that home runs are bad or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, ideally, you would think that he could still say something along these lines and also say, uh, however, you know, we we value walks to a great uh, degree we value controlling the strikes under a great degree it's obvious we're not doing a good enough job our offense has made some strides but there's a lot of work to be done and we probably need to you know this is something that we as an organization look at from short season bond and ball all the way up yeah. um, and it hasn't been uh, you know it hasn't been our our bright spot over the last six years yeah uh, there were some things you said he said there comes a point for all young guys when they get confident enough to hit with two strikes and then they can take more pitches when you get deeper into counts, obviously you have the opportunity to draw more walks. Uh, and then he said, plate, dis- plate discipline and patience are certainly qualities you count or you scout, no question. When we were in Atlanta, we very much believed in walks and on base percentage. It was an area we looked at when drafting guys. We took guys like Brian McCann and Adam LaRoche and Raphael Fercal, all very good on base guys. We also took Jeff Francoeur, who had a different approach that worked for him. It's more of an individual thing than anything else. And, okay, and then he also says it's more nature versus nurture. Some guys just have that natural discipline, which which is interesting because if he's saying that, then how can you also 
blame the ballpark, right? I mean, nurture is sort of the ballpark. Um, so he said it's more nature versus nurture. Some guys just have that natural discipline. Guys like Alex Gordon and Billy Butler. It's not something you can necessarily teach, though we do preach plate discipline throughout the minor leagues. Um, so, and the, and the the article describes him as a steadfast believer in on base percentage. Uh, and there, I don't remember which winter it was that he he was talking up on base percentage a lot of times and then went out and signed Mike Jacobs and, and a bunch of people who never, ever walked. And maybe that was the Frank Gore winter too. I don't remember that was Joe Posnanski has written about that about a hundred times. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't see how you get to have it both ways and say that you value on base percentage and plate discipline and patience and all these things. And then just, I mean, at some point you have to kind of walk that, walk right i mean you have to you have to go get guys who do that yeah yeah you you i mean you never i don't know i guess it you can find ways to criticize gms for anything but i think as a fan you you're faced with this information uh you sort of hope that your gm will uh sort of you know tear his shirt and go i know it's killing me i just can't take these guys i you know what i don't know why they don't walk we gotta walk more like you just want to see them emote i guess maybe you do and maybe he's he's worried i mean that maybe would not reflect well on him if he's like i don't i don't know what's going on it wouldn't no and it wouldn't it it wouldn't be appreciated either i mean like like if he did that it would be easy to criticize him too for being like sort of uh undisciplined and a huge part of a gm's job is to to you know, be disciplined in your message. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's not entirely clear to me how to judge his, his words. Uh, it is, seems pretty clear to me that it's easy to judge the the product on the field as, mm-hmm. as you know, it's been a big disappointment for many years. And, uh, so anything, you know, at, at this point, at this point in, you know, after this many years of losing, Mm-hmm. Pretty much any excuse is going to be fairly easily mocked as as an excuse, and so you know it's hard to to obsess over the message that he chooses. But the the, the question I had, the reason I wanted to ask you about this, is that um, the Royals fans that you know are are kind of in public that 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 we know of, uh, you know, they have a hard time dealing with this. They have a hard time dealing with the words that come out of their front office's mouth. They have a hard time dealing with the way that the team plays. Uh, the Royals are, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, kind of taking the caricature of themselves to the next level of this. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and like, you know, without, without, without either of us coming to any conclusion on whether they're a good front office or a bad front office, I know a lot of Royals fans think they're a terrible front office and they have a, you know, they have a hard time coping with that. And I just wonder, I, I don't think we've ever talked about this before on the show. Maybe we have. If we have, we probably both have new answers today anyway. But um, if you're a fan of a team and the front office is just doing terribly stupid things, uh, do you have a hard time wanting that team to win? Does it does it does it affect your your fandom if the front office is 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 bad? I think it I think it would if I felt like if I felt like the winning would then reinforce that bad process or whatever, if I felt like, 
you know, if the team won, then that front office would take it as a validation of the things it was doing, and that in the long run, that would be counterproductive and would lead to worse teams and less winning. Um, I guess I could probably talk myself into that. I don't, I mean, I, I wouldn't actively root against my team, I don't think, but um, yeah, I guess I would, I would probably take less pleasure in their success. Uh, just, I don't know, because as a, a fan of, of baseball and sort of the analytical side of baseball, I think I would enjoy being a fan of a team that embraces those things too, uh, maybe more openly or, or puts a team together in a way that kind of, uh, well, that's not true. I, I guess I would, I would, en- I would enjoy a, a team that put together a winner like the twins too, just kind of scouting really well or something that would be, that would also be, be fun and, and enjoyable as a fan. But um, yeah, I guess I guess I would I would enjoy it less probably. Yeah, I I I don't know if I I also think I I would enjoy it less, and I think it's probably uh, a case where I would not begrudge a fan who sort of uh, whose loyalty faded a bit. I, I think that I can uh, I can easily root for bad player for bad guy players for you know like criminals and mm-hmm. cheaters and such. Um, I, I know this, I know this because I've been put to the test <laughs> and I passed that test. I cheered with, with gusto, uh, for, uh, a completely unlikable and, uh, and scurrilous, uh, scofflaw. So, uh, so, uh, and I, and I think I could vote for, a, I, I think I, I mean, I, I also know I can root for a team that loses for mm-hmm. a long stretch, uh, without, um, really even questioning my loyalty to that team. I mean, I think I, uh, I can absolutely love a, a lovable loser. Um, but, uh, when, when, uh, when a GM makes a move that, that I consider dumb, um, or just to be bad process, I get so, um, so emotionally invested in refuting that decision Mm -hmm. and arguing against it and telling, you know, my, everybody around me, what a dumb move it was, that it's very hard for me, uh, I think, to uh, want to see it work. And it takes a little bit of discipline to, to not get personally um, affected by these sorts of moves, I think. Yeah. And when it's, a, when, it's, when it's one move, it's easy. I mean, if it's, uh, if it's one move, I think it's easy to go, oh, well, you know, uh, you can't predict baseball. Isn't that what makes the game great? But if it's an entire system of putting together a team and of viewing baseball, uh, I you know it sort of wears you down. And I could see not wanting to root for a bad process because it feels, um, you know, it, it it feels like it doesn't make sense. I mean, at the end of the day, I guess what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, if your choice is between the team that you arbitrarily root for because of the region that you were born into winning Mm -hmm. or the sort of natural order of the universe holding up and everything you know to be true about physics and yourself and your soul and truth is uh is put to the test i mean you kind of don't want to have your worldview rocked too much it's sort of more disturbing to have everything you know be disproven because then what does that mean for you (laughs) what does that mean about all your plans for yourself if you can't even if you don't even know how to build a winning team, 
uh, or, you know, like how baseball works. What are the odds that your career plans are going to work out? Mm-hmm. You've got no shot. You're never going to, you're never going to get your kid into college. Yeah. And the conflict must be even more agonizing if you're one of the, the many Royals writers who has kind of been criticizing this regime for years, because at some, I mean, to some extent, your own reputation is kind of on the line. I, I think we, we wrote, or uh, we talked once about how once you, if you lose your fandom, you you then start sort of just rooting for your your own predictions to come true. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that that's kind of your main motivator that you don't want to look dumb. Um, so it must be kind of a conflict for a Royals fan. I mean, I would think that that anyone who's really a, a Royals fan would probably be thrilled to see the Royals in the playoffs now, regardless of how they got there. I, I would think that it would be exciting for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, if you've if you've been writing for years about how their approach to team building is flawed somehow, or, you know, they shouldn't have traded Will Myers for James Shields or something like that, uh, then maybe you kind of have something at stake in there not succeeding also. Yeah. And, and again, it goes back to, to one move you can swallow. You know, if, if James Shields turns out to win the Cy Young this year Mm -hmm. and uh, Will Myers turns out to be awful, well, you could swallow that that you got that one wrong. But if they win the World Series, then kind of by definition, that means that every single move they made was right. Like if, if for no other reason than for like the butterfly effect, I mean, the D- Dayton Moore could at, at the very least say, oh, well, you know, without Jeff Francoeur in the clubhouse, we never would have, you know, we never would have gotten here. Without without Unieski Betancourt's role four years ago as a mentor in spring training, I just know for a fact that Alcides Escobar never would have, uh, you know, turned in anything. Or yeah. Were they traded for each other? They, I'm trying to remember. Did, did Uni go over to Milwaukee in that? Yeah. Frankie Dillard was so, right? a separate thing. Uh, well, so uh, anyway, oh but you, you get what I'm saying. If, if they win the World Series, then, then if you've spent four years – railing on every move they've made mm-hmm. well gosh that's quite a knock on, <laughs> it, on was what the, you do. I mean, it was the same if, deal uh and even, even if your reputation can and, and all reputations can, can i mean goodness gracious the, if you look around at some of the pundits that are out there you can be wrong constantly but i mean you would think at a certain point you'd be like well geez what am i doing here <laughs> and it's so, really hard to make the argument like if the royals won the world series and all of their fans were delirious it would be really hard to make the argument that they didn't go about it the right way. It might be, it might be a smart argument. You might be right about that, but there. Yeah, but you can't make. You it. can't persuade. Right, you can't persuade people who are delirious with joy after seeing the Royals win the World Series that they fluked into it or something. I mean, I guess you we. Can't. Although we talked about that with like Brian Sabian and the Giants. Sabian, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, yeah, and was Amaro was Amaro was there right when the Phillies won won theirs in yes. 2008-ish or so, or did he, uh, did yeah, I think that was, I think Amaro was there, yeah, Amaro was there, so mm-hmm. it takes about, like, four months before you can do that, but you cannot do it immediately after, yeah, and, it, and I just... mean, I think that, I, I think that you have to, I think a GM who wins a World Series, I, I know that it goes against everything that we talked about with process over results, but if a GM wins a World Series, you know, I don't care, if, if I, I give him a, at least at least a, a year or 18 month pass because as a guy who uh, really genuinely, you know, at, on, on my 30th birthday, I really genuinely believed that the Giants might never win a World Series in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that winning one is, it's no given. And so getting one is pretty amazing. So I, I will I will give any GM a pass for a while. Mm-hmm. 
they win the World Series. I don't think I don't think Amaro did win one. Did he? You don't think so? I don't think so. The the Phillies won in two thousand eight. Uh-huh. I think that was still Gillick. And two thousand nine was Amaro's first. Gillick? Wasn't it Wade? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Um, I don't know. Um Good podcasting ahead. <laughs> yeah, Here we this, go. This is good Hold stuff. on tight. Yeah, Gillick. Yeah, you're right. Gillick yeah. through 2008. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Uh, right. Of course it was Gillick. It couldn't have been Wade. It couldn't have been Amaro. <laughs> we didn't even have to look it up. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's no way to make that argument and be persuasive and not look bitter. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I can understand that. But the Royals are they're making it difficult to defend them these days. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I kind of like their team and, and was optimistic about their team, but, but when they say things, they, <laughs> they, just, they shouldn't say things. Um, they shouldn't say things. They ought to try that. that yeah. I mean, cause there's no rule they have to, you know, I mean, if, <laughs> if, if you get to this point where everybody's basically bad mouthing you because you've lost for 21 consecutive years, uh, I guess I guess at least once a year you've got to do that big PR push to convince them that there's hope uh, mm-hmm. this year. But, um, you know, it's, it's unlikely they're going to convince the casual fan that, like, oh, this team that's been losing literally since you were born uh, <laughs> is, like, is the smart team. I mean, you, you might, you might if you do, like, a, a prospectus Q&A, you might convince some of us with your mm-hmm. awesome words and your great ideas. But the average fan in Kansas City knows the Royals suck, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. average fan is not going to forget right. about what the Royals are. They, I mean, that's got to be pretty well established. So there's probably not a great deal of benefit to having this conversation in the in the in the in the mainstream local media. Yeah, and blaming the ballpark never really comes off that well. I don't think. I mean, it may no, be. It's it, your ballpark too. Do something about right. it. Dude. You're yeah, like, you, it's the one thing. It's like the <laughs> one thing he controls. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's a silly thing to complain about because you can you can tailor your team to the ballpark if if you think that that makes sense. Yep. Um, and it's not even it's not even like the most extreme park. So if it were some crazy outlier, I guess I could see it. Like when the Rockies complain about how it's difficult yeah. to develop pitchers there or something, I'm yeah. I'm kind of willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. But well, that's not their ballpark. That's the that's the air. That's that, yeah. They do not control the air. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, is, and is and, it possible for it for a team to to lose for a considerable amount of time without developing the reputation of a, a bumbling, incompetent front office? Like I'm I'm looking at other teams that have been losing for a while uh and it seems like i mean i guess do the Mar- the mariners kind of have a bit of that now probably that perception that they are incompetent somehow i think they that has probably happened by now um i mm. guess that the twins incompetence i think incompetent is a bit strong yeah i guess so uh i mean i don't necessarily believe that i'm just trying to 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 yeah. assess the popular opinion um the twins are, are pretty roundly mocked at yes this point. the twins the twins have some of that uh the, the padres don't well i guess the padres haven't lost yeah. as persistently they had you know yeah. a good year in 2010 a good year in 2000 i think eight and right. the mets so we have it uh the phillies have it even though they haven't been losing very long 
Um, the, well, I mean, it, yeah, I guess it, yeah. yeah. Uh, Go ahead. The Marlins have it for, for different reasons. Um, Would you say that the A's lost persistently before last year? Uh, yeah. 2006. Several to, years that they didn't make the playoffs. Uh-huh. I guess yeah, they... like I six guess, years, I think. They didn't really bottom out, I guess. Right. They weren't. They always won seventy some. Yeah, uh, so that probably helps. Um, and I mean, I I guess like do, do people think of the pirates as incompetent? They they did, they did until they did until they started winning. Right. Well, I mean, last year or well, last year they were winning. They didn't win at the end, but for four months of the season they were a competitive team. Yeah, that's true. Okay. And I th- so I think I think there was a perception that the the Pirates were on the upswing. I I think if you would ask in April of 2012, yes, the Pirates were probably considered a bottom five front office before they started winning. What about the Orioles before last year? They were very bad for quite some time, but I feel like and and I guess Angelos was kind of regarded as a a meddling miserly type of owner, but the front office wasn't really. I, I feel like they kind of got a pass for being in the AL East, and it, like they didn't really have a, a Royals type of reputation. And they were bad for for over a decade. I yeah, guess. it's hard to remember. I I've, I I I remember the Orioles being considered a, a bad front office, but I it's hard to exactly remember the day. Like in two thousand. Uh, geez, what was it like? Two thousand three that they signed Palmero and and uh, Tejada and Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, Palmero, not Palmero. Yeah. Tejada, Lopez, Palmero. Yeah, Palmero, maybe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, like it. I think in that era they were considered a bad front office. Like the the mid two thousands, they were considered a bad front office, and. Right now, I don't think they are, and so it's hard to remember exactly where where they fell in 2011. I guess I can't really pinpoint my memories that well. Mm-hmm. I guess it's possible if you're. I mean, the Indians have been kind of bad, not not for a very long time. I guess it doesn't work that way. But the Indians maybe are are regarded as more smart than their results would would suggest. Just oh yeah, the Indians they are, are... sabermetric. One of the early adopters. Yeah, no, the internet, the uh, the the Indians definitely have internet cred. Yeah. Um, okay. All right, are we done? Uh, do we need to make a joke about the Royals finishing first in the league and not getting walks? <laughs> is that a joke that we need to cover? Is that should we just acknowledge that there is a joke out there? Yeah, that's, leading leading the league in strikeouts plus balls in play. That's a, is that a callback to, to Maloof's comment about leading the league and not hitting home runs? Or? That is. A, that is. Okay. That's exactly what that is. I got the reference. All right. We're done then. Okay. Uh, so send us emails at podcast.baseballperspectus.com. If you have a free five seconds or so over the weekend, please rate and review us. It literally takes as long as it takes to open iTunes and click on a button. And, you know, fr- frankly, if you do, I will happily rate and review whatever product is in your life that you'd yeah. like rated and reviewed. If sure. you need a reference, for instance. Amazon product review? Yes, absolutely. If you if you have self-published a book on Amazon, I will favorably review it. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say favorably. I will review it. You'll ask for a review copy and then you'll evaluate it. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Yeah. If, if like one-tenth of our listeners rated us, we would have... 
I don't know, like three times the amount of, of ratings that we have. So that would be nice. Uh, okay, so have a wonderful weekend. We will be back on Monday.